You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. Christian Babcock here of the Hunters Advantage podcast. So today on the podcast, I was joined by Trey and Connor from Whitetail Mission. We talked about shooting bucks on public in Kansas, shooting bucks on public in Oklahoma, scouting, and just had a good time chopping it up for an hour talking about deer hunting. I think you guys will really enjoy this conversation. Let's get into the podcast. It's listening, subscribe and watching. Thanks for coming back in for Hunters Advantage podcast episode number 72. Today we're joined by Trey and Connor of Whitetail Mission. Thanks for jumping on with me, guys. No problem. So, Connor, I know you a little bit. I've, I think I met you in person once or twice at a couple NSU fishing club meetings. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, back in the way back in the day, like 2016. Trey, we were just talking earlier. I think this is the first time we're meeting. Can you guys give us a little bit of uh, background into kind of when you guys started whitetail mission and why you guys wanted to start filming hunts. Uh, I had the idea for a while that I had just, I had wanted to do it. And, uh, we, uh, really, I kept bugging Connor a little bit and he wanted to, and, uh, I think it finally just took deciding to do it. You know, I'd wanted to do it. It's just like, I hadn't just done, you know, just took the leap and done it. But, like I said, we a couple of years ago finally decided, like, man, let's just do this thing. So it's it's been fun. I've enjoyed the crap out of it, you know. Yeah, you took the initiative. Trey's the one who went out and bought on the going Campbell Cameras website. You know, they got that whole kit you can get, and he bought one of the kits. And uh, what was it not twenty nineteen? We filmed that doe. Yeah, we that's the only one we got. Yeah, we filmed the hunt in December. And he shot a doe, and we were together. And I was like, well, all right, that's it. I'm buying a camera, man. That was a blast. <laughs> like all I did was film. And so we are like, all right, we both had setups the next year and filmed a bit that next year. And then I'd say this year was our first year really, you know, committing to it all. Um, yeah. Last year, I thought we did a pretty good job, but this year was a really good year for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. It's, it's definitely added, uh, I just love the extra element it adds, you know, to bow hunting itself. It's, you know, it, uh, it's definitely tough, but rewarding, you know. As if it's not not hard enough to just yeah. go hunt, you know. Yeah, yeah. Adding that camera is just like a, you know, you see everybody on Instagram like taking picture of their food. They're like, food eats first. Like the camera eats first when you're hunting and you're trying to make videos, and it sucks. It actually cost my buddy Jake a deer on public land this year. Like he's he's trying to like frame in this deer and it's at like 35 yards and it walks behind a tree and then it turns and walks off and he's like dude i could have shot it it was in frame the whole time i just got greedy and i was like that's how it goes self-filming is so difficult like i mean it adds still another adrenaline rush like when you've got you and somebody else with you and they're doing the filming aspect but doing it all by yourself man is crazy like it's just such a you're already you know got adrenaline going and now you have to deal with this camera while you're holding your bow and it's yeah it's a it's a mess but it's fun once you get the hang of it it's not bad but it definitely is a brand new challenge for it. Yeah. We, we've both kind of agreed to like, I mean, we're going to try our hardest to get 
everything on film. But I mean, if it's a stud and I can't, I'm going to kill it. You know, yeah. that's why this year I ran a GoPro on my bow, just, you know, just to get in the habit of having a second angle going that way, just in case the big camera didn't get it, you know, I wanted something to get it. So yes, yeah, the little, the second angle GoPro is kind of like an insurance policy to me. I got that, the hero nine black and it's got like the wide angle lens you can put on it. And if I face it towards me, I'm like hoping I'm praying if this ever happens that I'll still be able to get them in that second angle camera. But you know, you talk about, the first angle camera being tough running a GoPro is can be tough too, if it's not attached to your bow. And I've, I learned yeah. that this year. Yeah. Even just turning it on. If you don't like, cause if you have it on the, like that Wi-Fi setting, you know, it's sometimes in the battery mm-hmm. you're sitting there, do that setting. You're like trying to slowly reach up, turn it on. And you know, and you're trying to be still all at the same time. Um, I've got a new one. Uh, my wife, GoPro fusion for Chris 360 camera. Oh, um, those are cool. Oh, yeah, I haven't used it yet, but I've looked at some videos and it's something that like I feel like I could set it and it would be able to film me and around me. And so that one, I'm, I'm pretty excited to try it out. It should be should be fun. So does it break it into like two separate like angles? Is it like a front and a back angle or how does it work? So what it looks like is it's actually two cameras mm. and basically they each do the 180. And that way it like one will film one way, one will film the other. But when you edit it, the way you go in, like, I think you have to edit it through GoPro first, and then we use Premiere Pro, and then you can put it in there. But, like, it looks like you can completely turn and decide where you want to focus it at. And so, mm-hmm. like, you can set keyframes to where it might be on you, and then, it like, it'll turn the camera angle and this deer coming in, it'll follow the deer, and then it can go back up to you. And you just have to set keyframes for it. So I'm pretty excited to try it out. It looks like it's going to be kind of complicated till I get the hang of it in terms of editing, but I'm pretty pumped. I think it's going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, that, that'll be really cool. I think I've seen some of the hunting public guys use that. It almost looks like the camera's like floating above them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's going to be really cool for the footage. I learned this year that like it's so hard to tell a story without a second angle, without mm-hmm. some other perspective going on in a deer hunt, you know, because like a lot of times I'm not focused on my primary camera. And if I don't have a secondary one, it's like, OK, let's sit at this grass for eight minutes as this deer's coming in. <laughs> it gets pretty tough. Yeah, I get you, man. I've been there. So you guys have, you guys went to Kansas this year, obviously, and you both had success in Kansas. What, uh, was that your first time going out of state for whitetail? No, we actually went to Missouri year, uh, in 2020. Um, and, uh, that was our first time actually traveling out and just trying something else. And we had a little bit of success there. Uh, it, uh, it was, t- it's, it's definitely tougher than Kansas, I would say. And we were hunting, more WMA style stuff up there, but, uh, but that would have been our first time out. So what makes kind of made it more difficult on ourselves? I mean, it's one of those things that where we went in Missouri, we went like, we're going to Iowa. Basically we didn't Mm. do like Southern Missouri. We went way North. So like, Hey, let's just go for a weekend trip and let's like last minute go up to Missouri. It was more, we had, you know, a couple times planned where we could really go for a few days. And we went early September because we hadn't hunted in September before. So that was pretty exciting. Um, and then it worked out for what we were hoping that late October where they start cruising and we were there early and we didn't get to go back in November. And obviously, you know, the magic of November, we were pretty excited to try there and it just didn't work out. So we hunted when it was a little bit tougher too. I think November might've been a different story because we, I mean, with the deer we saw in October, I was like, oh yeah, give it two to three weeks and this place should be awesome. We just couldn't get back over there, but it was, think, it was an experience. I think part of our problem too was, um, we did a whole lot of pre-scouting this year in Kansas 
and mm-hmm. even more scouting while we were up there hunting. And we just kind of showed up to Missouri and just went to hunting. And we kind of got tired of not seeing a whole lot in those last couple of days. We were like, all right, let's just go do some scouting. And honestly, we found deer, but it was by that time too late. We were, you know, headed back home. But that last couple of days, we really found some good sign. So I wish had we been able to go back, we probably would have got on something. So Yeah, we I saw you guys went kind of all in on the summer scouting in Kansas this year. And we've kind of done it both ways the way you guys are talking, one with a lot of heavy preseason scouting and then none at all. And it just makes it a little easier to sit in the stand when things are sucking, when you can scroll through trail cam pictures and you're like, I know they're in here. I just got to spend time in this tree. Yeah. And yeah. it really helped too. Cause like Missouri, there were some spots, especially like that first morning, we just went in blind. And so I'm sitting in the tree. Like if I had known what this kind of looked like, I mean, I felt like I almost wasted a morning in a sense in Kansas. We just went through and we were able to just, you know, mark stuff off like, okay, nope, that don't even bother with it. We, we don't want to mess with that. We've got better spots we've seen. And so we were able to go through and kind of take a part of that away before, you know, we're actually in full camo heading into the woods. And so that's what I thought made a huge difference for us this year is kind of making our priorities by, you know, summer scouting. How did you guys, did you guys do several trips up to Kansas and just run trail cams and kind of move them based on which ones were fruitful or did you focus on certain areas with trail cams or what, what was your strategy there? Well, um, so when you put in for Kansas, it's April and uh, that's when you do the whole application process. And from there, we map scouted like crazy, like Onyx was like a daily thing. Um, and then we went in June and just started putting boots on the ground and just try to look at a few different areas to get an idea of like, Hey, do we want to put cameras in these spots or what do we want to focus on? Um, and w- what we found is we put one camera out. Did we do that on the first trip or the second Trey? The first trip. First trip. We put one out and summer wasn't like a ton of pictures. Um, but what really made a difference too was on that second trip, uh, the Onyx came up with that crop layer mm. and our plan early season was to focus on early season bedding and then to focus on crops. And so when that crop layer came out, I mean, that made a huge difference for us. Like we were able to be like, okay, this was corn last year. And what we learned is on the crop rotation, generally if it was corn the year before, they switched it to beans. And then if it was beans, a lot of times they switched it to corn on pretty much most of the areas we went to, unless they just left it fallow and didn't do anything with it or just uh, tilled it, but, you know, didn't do anything, just gave it a year. But for the most part, it was a rotation of if it was the yellow of corn, then we knew it was going to be probably beans when we showed up there. And that's something we noticed and we were able to key on, especially for early season, um, which then really helped us on some places kind of looking at what we knew what we wanted to focus on on the map. We could kind of already dictate what we thought would be a better area. Uh, so that really helped a lot too. That and just finding like rut sign in general, like some of the places we found, like one of the places we were most, you know, successful where Connor shot his buck was, we noticed that just the rut sign was ridiculous and we didn't really have any pictures there, but it was like, we knew that at some point it was going to happen, you know, and it's exactly what happened. You know, it just clicked. So that, uh, you know, finding that rut sign, even in the summer, even if they're not there, then, you know, they're coming. So what do you mean when you say rut sign, what does that look like? Just old scrapes, big rubs. I mean, you know, and, a lot a lot of doe bedding like so if you find if you're finding lots of does and doe bedding because that specific area i'm talking about we actually had seen a bunch of does right there and then all the old bucks sign and we just like okay it's a matter of time as soon as late october hits the bucks are going to be in here you know so and in terms of trail cameras what's kind of funny is we ran one trail camera 
Because oh, early on, we were like, we, I mean, we wanted to get what, what's the vibe on Kansas Public? Am I going to hang this camera and it's going to get stolen in two weeks? Or like, are we yeah. going to pretty good? Um, so we took a stick in and we hung it high up. That way it had like that down angle on it. So if somebody wanted it, they're going to have to scroll their way up there and get it or bring a stick in. Um, and so we only ran one throughout the summer. And then we ran another one in season a little bit. And ironically, like there weren't a ton of buck pictures in the summer. Once season hit, we started getting a few more, but the only buck picture we had in the summer ended up being the buck that I shot. And we didn't realize that until afterwards, but then, what was it, like, probably about a mile and a half, two miles north section, we yeah. shot him. Um, but we didn't just run a ton of cameras. We've talked about it going into next year, but for the first year, we were kind of wanting to see what the what, what Kansas public was really like. Are there going to be people everywhere? Are we going to get our stuff messed with? Um, so we didn't do a whole lot with it this year. And then, like with Missouri, we didn't run any cameras because you can't put cameras on public. And so, mm-hmm. kind of out of state's been kind of with cameras. We haven't done a lot. Um, it's been a lot more boots on the ground or scouting while hunting, like we did Missouri. Missouri. No. Yeah, that's interesting. My uncle had hunted Kansas and actually had just a lot of good luck um, on Kansas public. And he was telling me that a bunch of guys from Louisiana started going hunting to Kansas. And he said that there was one guy that was outfitting on some of that Kansas public, and he would follow them in on their boat and like take their tree stands and take their cameras. And he was like, he's like, dude, after getting three, this is back before like people used climbers all the time and saddles and hang on tree stands. Like that, it was before that, like, and he was saying after getting, you know, driving up there four or five times and not having a stand to sit in, he's like, dude, I just quit going. Like people were jacking with his stuff. I'm glad you guys didn't have that experience. Honestly, we, I mean, we really didn't run into a whole lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. We seen a lot of pressure, you know, just when we days we would drive around and stuff, especially on a lot of like your smaller walk-ins yeah. and stuff. But that was really our main goal in the summer was to just find stuff that we thought, you know, would definitely be more complicated for people to get to. And it worked, you know. And also on that, like some of the walk-ins even that we hunted, like luckily we didn't have any of those bad experiences. I mean, Usually if we put one in a spot, like, cause I mean, some of those walk-ins are so small that like, it's a one guy kind of thing. Sometimes you might be able to split up and do a couple, but usually if you were parked at a spot, nobody came in on you. We, I mean, we never had anyone come in on us. Um, and I think we hunted four or five, like that were fairly small. Like the, where I started my season was 250 acres, if I remember right, with less than 10 acres of woods on it. And mm-hmm. so it's like, if you go in, you're going to be going to one spot. And we didn't have anybody show up there on us that day, but we saw people hunt it later on. But I think, I mean, luckily for the most part, I think people know that, hey, if someone's there, they don't want to mess with you. Um, and we even ran into some guys uh, in September that we pulled into a spot and they came in like 10 minutes later. And they're like, hey, man, y'all be this here. We just want to talk and, you know, talk for a second, see how y'all are doing uh, somewhere else. So we, we had a pretty good experience with people that we ran into. Um, but generally, like, I would say if you went in September or October, even in December, you don't have a whole lot of people. Now, November, that's when things were like, oh, wow, there's some people in the state because we saw some tags from different states. We saw some, you know, some locals are still hunting it on public. But I feel like a lot of the locals hunt private land. Most of the tags we saw that were hunting public were a lot of -of out-of-state guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some were local, obviously, but and a lot of Missouri guys, like the guys we talked to in September were from Missouri. But for the most part, we had good experiences with the people that we did see, which was, that's nice to see. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. I mean, what's, you've mentioned one of the, I think, unique things about Kansas is there's so much crops, so many fields and so little timber. 
was that a challenge for you guys to have multiple spots to hunt? Because in my mind, it, it kind of seems like that's one of the easier places to map scout because you know, you're not there. There's just less to choose from. Was, is that an issue for you guys or was there, was it plentiful in like different spots that you guys could hunt? We were actually just talking about this on the phone um, where it's a lot easier than from where like I'm from, like Connor kind of grew up hunting Kansas style stuff, you know, like Western Oklahoma, you know, it's kind of the same as Kansas, you know, but like me, I'm like big hill timber, like where I grew up hunting, the main piece of public is 15,000 acres of just hard woods and it's just ridges and you're just guessing, trying to find them. Kansas to me was easier to, it just made more sense looking at a map, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You you know where they're going to be, but you still got to go put boots on the ground and find them. You know, I mean, public land deer, public land deer, but I would say for me, it was definitely easier to narrow them down as far as putting map pins, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. You're talking about some of the stuff where you grew up and I I think I've seen that kind of one of your videos, that sort of terrain feature, the big Hills, you know, the lots of timber. And we hunt a lot of that same looking stuff down in Southeast Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you pull up to a truck spot and you're like, dude, this guy could be anywhere. You're like, he could, he could be 360 right here. You know, whereas like you're talking in one of those 250 acre walk-in pieces, it's like, I, I know probably within a couple hundred yards where he's going to be. You know, and I feel like that kind of makes it, but if everybody's being respectful, it's not, I guess it's not really a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's the kind of thing, like on that walk-in, like most people are like, all right, man, there's not enough room for the both of us. But like where we hunt here in Oklahoma, it's so like, you don't know, they could be literally a hundred yards off the road or they could Mm -hmm. be two miles back in there. And so it kind of, sometimes you're like, man, and luckily if you talk to enough people, like that's the biggest thing we do is if you get a chance to talk to him, you'll find out this guy's like, oh dude, I'm normally like 200 yards down this ridge. You're like, oh, cool. Do you mind if I go a couple ridges to the south? It's like, oh, no issue. So you can kind of get an idea. Like if I see this certain vehicle, it's the same dude. And he's most likely in that area. And I've talked with them and we're good to split up and go where we generally go. Um, in terms of the scouting, though, like the Can- Kansas deer were different in the sense of like these mountainous deer that we've hunted in Oklahoma on that big hill, big ridges. They, I don't see them in the open very often. They're like going down, you know, off the sides of ridges around bowls. A lot of the fields and stuff, you don't see it. But in Kansas, you're like, oh, man, if they're coming through, they've got to go through this funnel in the woods. And then they'll walk straight across the middle of a bean field. And you're like, are you kidding me? Why not come in here where it would be more protective? Instead, you just yes. go straight across this giant field. So it was kind of that part was kind of different. We had to get the idea of the patterns and the movement that they were doing and try to get an idea of what we want to do there. But in terms of knowing the specific areas, like, hey, there's probably going to be deer here. I would say that's definitely an easier place to map scout compared to, all right, there's 15 ridges coming off this main big ridge. What do we think is the best idea? So, yeah, that was definitely different, but it was a, I think it was positive for us. Uh, in your question, too, does it make it harder having so many like it? It does make it – honestly, we got lucky enough this year to see enough deer. We really didn't have to bounce around a whole lot, but it does – we did scout enough and look at enough places. It's really hard to pick where you want to go. There's so much, yeah. you know, at least we found enough good deer sign, you know, but l- thankfully we weren't having a whole lot of trouble seeing deer, you know, I think between the two of us, I know we scouted a ton of places, but I think between yeah. the two of us, we were just talking about this the other day, we hunted a total of, wasn't it like eight or nine, 10 different areas, but some of them were like one to two sits. And we we're like, Hey man, I don't know if this is like what we really want to focus on. But I think we hunted like somewhere around 10 different areas throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. So kind of walk me through the season. I know you guys, if I'm not mistaken, you shot a couple of those or a few in the early season, and then it kind of started heating up for you guys. What did? 
how did the season end up progressing? Well, um, so when you go to Kansas, you get two tags. You get a doe mm-hmm. tag and then the either sex tag. And so we wanted to, like, September, our goal was like, hey, let's just go knock out those doe tags. That way we can focus on horns the rest of the year. Um, and so the goal was early season betting on a couple different areas because we hunted two different pieces. And that was actually kind of a cool weekend, opening weekend, because our whole entire group went up there. Uh, we had three guys hunting and three guys filming. Um, and we all split up different areas. Like, and some of us, I mean, I was miles away from Trey and then Wes, we, they hunted a, a different spot, but our, both of our focuses were crops and early season bedding, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and we were both able to get on deer and see a bunch of deer. Uh, for me, I just went ground hunting. I was like, I'm gonna put boots on the ground. I'm gonna still hunt. And we had a lot of, you know, a handful of chances at some does, but just kind of one of those like, Hey, they're at 50. And I'm like, I'm just going to wait. I got a whole year and there's deer everywhere. Um, and most of the time they were like catching us or be alert, whatever. Uh, and then we jumped a decent buck that we found bedded on a really good area that we knew had a lot of bedding on it. Um, and that was mainly my success. I saw a lot of deer, had a good time. Trey was the one that actually, uh, was it first or second? It was the evening. So first day, yeah. but he, he was able to punch a tag that evening. Well, we went into an area that morning that we actually had a camera in there and we, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of pictures like all summer. Like we really, the deer sign that we saw and we put the camera on a really good trail. We expected to have a lot of pictures and there just weren't any. What was funny was I went in there that morning and uh, we actually hunted probably 200 yards from the camera. And I assumed that they would be coming off the ag and coming to some bedding that we found that pushed up against some water. And uh, I actually seen like almost 20 deer that morning and they were all Mm. walking right behind the camera. Like, so we were just missing them, you know? And then I told Daniel, I was like, cause they're walking like 80 yards in front of us, almost all of them. And I told him, so I guarantee you, they're going to come, they're going to take the same trail back to the ag this evening. So we jetted out, went and met up with Alex and Wes, ate some lunch, come right back in and uh, moved right up there. And we had deer all over us all evening. Um, and the one I actually ended up shooting, they come through behind us right before dark. And, uh, I probably wouldn't have shot her. It was just, uh, there was still good shooting light and whatnot. Um, it, uh, but all of us were there and I was just like, I really want to kill one with all of us here, you know? So, um, and, and I smoked her, she didn't go 50 yards and it was a fun evening. It was really fun when we got back to the boat and realized that the battery was dead and we were going to have to, uh, paddle like yeah a long ways out with her so but um, he didn't take any or anything so they no. got broken and were able to get it all the way out oh, yeah. it um and then honestly did yeah we come back the next weekend and i filmed connor in that same spot trying to kill uh one and we actually saw one little buck wasn't that, that was it? it one little buck it blew my mind and then uh we didn't come back until the day before halloween halloween lights Oklahoma after that mm. yeah yeah it, it when we got back that weekend of Halloween man it was just like I mean night to day difference there were bucks everywhere you know and and it was just the you know every everywhere we went you know from then on through November we seen bucks at every place we went so like I said we were pretty fortunate to be on bucks this year you know I think that's a that's a good point is like one one mistake that we've made is pushing way too hard in October and just like trying to make it happen when it's 90 degrees. You're like, yeah. if I spend enough time in the tree, want to walk by <laughs> when then you go in November and you see more deer in one sit than you have all of October. Oh, and you're like, well, why yeah. didn't I just wait? Like 
I wouldn't have been tired. My wife wouldn't have been pissed at me. Nothing, <laughs> none of this would have happened yeah. if I would have just, you know, like I, I've learned that the older I've gotten just to like focus in on those times that are really good and mm -hmm. just spend all your time there. Even if that's a two week block and you don't have to hunt October at all, that's what I'm going to do next year is yeah, kind of efficiency, focus. man. Yeah. Being efficient with your time can pay off. And yeah. that's the thing, like we didn't want to do that. Like, when you drive down the road and you do that and it's 90 degrees, you're like, dang, well, you know what? I gave it a shot. But when you're driving hours north, I was like, mm -hmm. we don't want to be putting in that kind of gas. Like, let's just save that for when we know it should be good and these bucks will be in here. And so that's why we just stayed local, figured it was easy to do that for the month. And then once end of October started hitting, we both were like, hey, yeah. let's go. Let's go see if they're showing, they've shown up. And if you're going to take work vacation, you might yeah. as well take it when it's good, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've tried to take Fridays off in October and I'm like, I, I regret this. This was a mistake, you know, <laughs> yeah. just to try to, but so you talked about end of October heating up who ended up shooting the first buck and kind of how did that go down? Uh, you did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so <laughs> he recovered his first, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. but we went up and the, the, the places we had hunted and had some really good success. The, the wind was always a deal. Um, where south winds were just so difficult to hunt um and so anything that was south now we could sometimes play it off with the southeast but south or southwest it was kind of it was kind of finicky and so we actually been hunting the area where our camera was at because that's where we'd seen bucks in late october we had uh hunted it on a thursday i think we went up during the week on a thursday and we'd seen a really good buck and then the wind was just wasn't that good that evening. And so we're sitting there doing, you know, when you're like, we've done this in Missouri. We did this in Missouri as well. We're sitting there on Onyx, just like, dude, you want to try this area? Like, and when you scouted so many, that's when the issue kind of came up a bit. And we're like, all right, well, we've got 15 areas that we really like. Where should we go this evening? And so we're sitting there doing the whole hour long lunch thing. You pick, no, you pick. And um, we had a few places marked to the south that we're like, you know what? This looks good in terms of, you know, it's early November. It looks like a good cruising spot. Let's, let's go there. And so we went down there and where we first, when we first, we decided to go north of where we ultimately planned to go. We were going to use a south wind and just still hunt until we saw something. They're like, yeah, this is it. We'll set up here. And literally once we walk in, it's rubbed, shredded, like, you know, big around as my leg. And so we're like, well, should we just hunt here? We plan to walk south, but gosh, this looks good. It's a good pinch point. And that's the hunt that we posted where Trey, we're sitting there debating on it. And Trey's like, dude, there's a doe right there. And we're set up on that doe. I mean, we're set up and we just get down. We're in the open and the, like the timber's open in the woods, but there's enough laydowns and stuff to kind of break us up. But we're literally sitting with no laydown within what, 10 feet of us, you think? And he's like, all right, let's just see what happens. And she walks right up to us. And that's when I was like, dude, there's a giant, there's a big buck behind her. And he starts coming in, dogging her, grunting, and it's just like, dude, this could work. And then she looks back at him and is like, nope, turns and walks within five yards of us. Ooh. And she walks right by us, and we're just sitting there frozen. And she spooks eventually, takes off, and he's looking like, what just happened? We're trying to, you know, trying to make it sound like maybe another buck spooked her. And so we're raking leaves and grunting and everything. And he ends up following her. So we're like, well, dude, should we stay here? I mean, there's a hot doe in the area. Who knows what could push her through or what else could come through? And the sign was fresh. Like rubs were look like it's been in the past couple of days, scrapes right there. So we finally decide like wind isn't great, but let's chance it. We just killed an hour sitting up trying to get a shot at this doe. Well, at first the doe or this buck if he comes in. So let's just be here. And we walk over to this tree and Trey goes, dude, the buck is right there. 
And so we get down and it turns out to be a different buck and ends up being the one I shot. And he comes up to 30 and looked at us three times, held my bow back for like a minute. And when he stops, he like he's broadside, but I didn't realize he takes a step with his right and turns his shoulder. And so I put it right on that shoulder. I had complete confidence that I could blow through his shoulder. I've done it before. Um, put it right on that shoulder and shot and he wheeled to go back. And you can see it in the video when he wheels, I hit just a couple inches forwards of where I was, you know, put my pin and it ended up being a one lung. I got like 15 inches of penetration and, uh, we tracked him for what? Cup two, 300 yards on blood. I think it was 280. 280 on blood and backed out. So let's get a dog, brought a dog in the next day and he went to a bean field, which is, and it was a, it wasn't a cut bean field. Most of the bean fields at this point were all cut and had been harvested this one is standing and so it made things more difficult on blood the dog couldn't pick anything up so we grid searched literally the entire next day um and ultimately what it came out to be is we walked 50 yards by him the dog walked 50 yards by him unfortunate how it ended up working out but that was november 5th i think like that early november and that's when we shot the first buck um and what crazy turn of events, Trey's buck was, I don't remember what day that one was. That was like later November, like towards, like right before Thanksgiving. It was the weekend before Thanksgiving, if I remember right. And he shot it in the same area that I'd shot my buck. I had actually, uh, telling myself a little, that was actually the second buck I shot in Kansas. I got one that I just didn't get enough footage of to even post, um, I went up there by myself for a couple of days before Connor got up there. I think it was the second weekend in November. And uh, the wind was not right to hunt uh, where we had been hunting. So I actually went uh, to a different, same area, different piece. And uh, gosh, it was kind of a like a cedar thicket that we had marked. Actually, Connor had it marked. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to go check it out. And I walked f- through the edge of it and I just didn't find anything. Like, you couldn't see 10 feet. You know, I mean, there's deer trails all through it, but where are they going to come through? You don't know which one, you know, and I just, I don't like not being able to see. And so I kept on going, kept on going and uh, ended up popping out where it was just basically the hard cedar edge met some open timber and the water come up and pinched them right there. And uh, so I just sit on the ground because by this time it's like 430 and I sit there and I set up both GoPros, one on my bow, one up behind me and uh, didn't even get the big camera out. And I uh, honestly didn't have a whole lot of confidence. I don't know why after all the deer we had been seeing. Um, and I'd done a, a rattling sequence, crashed some, you know, sticks and whatnot, and grunted a little. And then I sat down and it had been like maybe 15 minutes and nothing. And so I actually dug a granola bar out, opened it, and I had stuck it in my mouth and turned to put the wrapper in my bag real quiet. And when I turned back, I just saw a back, like with his head down walking. And I could automatically tell, like, this is a giant deer just by his body. And uh, he's already at, like, 50 yards coming right at me. And so I just spit my granola bar out and grabbed my bow. And um, he lifts his head up. And it's probably a probably 140s eight-point, big old white horn dude. And, it's a beast. Uh, yeah, he come, he come all the way up, kind of like he was just going to angle in front of me. And there was a tree that had, like, three big trunks. And my mistake – uh, lesson learned. Um, when he went behind that tree, I thought I got to draw. That's my only opportunity. Cause he's going to see me any other way, you know? So when he went behind that tree, I just rushed it just to yank that bow back. And my arrow kind of made a little noise. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a clue what it was, but he come out behind the tree looking. 
you know, he just was looking my way like, what was that? And he stopped and gave me a, an open shot right there, but that close. And he's already staring at me. And I, I pulled up and kind of similar to Connor's situation, I put it on his shoulder and shot. But instead of wheeling into the arrow, he wheeled away. And I just shot him right through the brisket. I mean, my, my arrow mm. was just white fat. I mean, there was nothing, nothing lethal, not even hardly any blood on it. So that one hurt, you know, that was my opportunity at a really good one. I, I really wish Connor would have been there that day to film because it would have been a sweet hunt, you know. And then I walk over there, I get my arrow and I come back and sit down. I'm kind of whining around and kicking myself and I tell him about it. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, chill out, you know, another one may come through. And literally 15 minutes later, I look up and there's a doe coming and I hear grunting. And I had another probably, what, 125-inch eight point? Yeah, from the deer, you know, why is his ears probably pretty massive, real tall eye guards? And he come to 12 yards and he he's standing at 12 yards, she's standing at like 10 yards, and I'm just sitting there holding my bow, and they're just both staring at me. And she goes to leave. Well, he turned to like, you know, have the high step away, and I drew, and I'm literally anchoring. And I'm like, come on, right there, right there. About the time I'm fixing to squeeze it off, he just blew and bolted. And mm. uh, and then the next, I guess, decent opportunity I had at a buck was uh, the weekend that I actually killed one. You know, I had I had a couple of nice bucks that weekend that didn't work out. One, I was actually on the phone with Connor. He had called me to check on me. And I'm talking to him, trying to talk quiet, and I hear something. And I, I turn around and look, and there's a doe standing at 15 yards staring at me. And there's a big old eight point standing at the edge of the cedars, and he's just staring at her. And uh, I tried to pull that one off and it just didn't happen. I just, I didn't hear him, you know, I don't know how, but I didn't, you know, so, and then he come up and then it was actually going to be my last day and I had to go home and I mm -hmm. told him, dude, I'm killing whatever. If I get a chance at a buck, I'm killing it. And that was the day I actually killed that buck. So it worked out good. Wasn't the, you know, Candace giant I was hoping for, but I was tickled pink, you know, after all the work we'd put in. Yeah, they're pretty you know, any deer is pretty sweet when you put in the work like you guys did this last season. And I mean, the way you guys are talking about shooting deer, so not always having a lethal shot, like people don't talk about that enough. And it's like, it's almost like you post it now and people are like, oh my God, what, yeah. why are you like, you show that shot, people are like confused and like, but dude, that happens all the time. I remember 2020. If from the outside looking in, if I was just to post pictures, people would be like, you had your best year ever. You know, you shot two really nice bucks. I also shot a Texas buck. I went three for six that year on bucks. That's what people don't understand. Like yeah. two different, yeah. thir three different opportunities on bucks wounded, never found. Like yeah. it's tough to shoot, to kill stuff with a sharp stick. And yeah. so it's, I don't know. I feel like people that are especially coming up in, in the sport and in bow hunting need to understand that a little more is like, even when you do everything right, sometimes it doesn't work out oh, and it, it's tough, but you guys ended up getting it. You ended up getting it done, which is, which is awesome out of state. That's cool. Yeah. And the big thing too, for us was, um, man, we had not, I had not done any ground hunting, like not even really ground blind hunting. And we were this year on Kansas, the way it's set up, there were just some places that trees weren't the best option. Um, or we couldn't really get in them, even with the saddle and Trey's got a saddle that he uses. Uh, but like that hunt that I shot my buck, we had stands and sticks on our back ready to go try to find a tree. And we just got pinned down with deer. Um, and it's just sometimes like ground hunting, it's a whole new game, whole mm -hmm. new game, trying to find the best setup to where you aren't going to get seen. And then you just never know the angles really that these deer are going to come in. 
And so I personally don't like taking quartering two shots a whole lot. Um, and it depends on how much they're quartered. And like the buck I shot, I was fully confident. He's slightly quartered. I knew I could blow through the shoulder. Um, but it really just kind of changes the game and since like the angles, the way you've got to set up on them, um, and just, I mean, they're right there on you. Like I'll, I'll take being in a tree at 15 yards and I can, you know, pretty much stay hidden. Um, but it, like on the ground, I think some of those chances, if we were in trees, we would have been spotted. And so mm-hmm. the ground helped us to actually even get the chance. But it is a new, you know, a new concept, new aspect of hunting that we're we're excited to continue to get better on. Um, and it was really fun for us this year doing that. It surprised me, honestly, um, how much you can get away with on the ground if you just set still. The the issue is, is you know, when you're in front of a deer, you're trying to shoot, you know, then you got to draw a bow and stuff, and that does it's hard to hide from one, you know, within shooting distance on the ground. You know, it really is. Uh, something one thing we didn't try this year that definitely need to try next year's decoy because there's a couple situations we got in where i was like dude i mean he pointed it out too like if we would have had a decoy he would have not been focused on us you know and i think that would have helped and he has a he has a decoy so why we didn't try it i don't know i bought it for kansas but it was always (laughs) that that question of what if they you know because every buck's different man every deer's got their own certain personality and some of them are going to see that thing and be like nah i'm out and then others are going to be like, who the heck are you? And they're going to go check it out. And we were just always hesitant on it. Like, no, I think we've got them, like, we've got them pinned down to what, what they're going to do. Let's not risk it. But one thing I'll say, especially if anyone listening is planning to go to Kansas, from at least our experiences, those bucks are so responsive to calling. It's, okay. it's insane. Like, we had, I think, four or five deer that we had called and got the attention of and changed that they were. Um, one completely back he was already past his head and away and he turns back to come and look check it out uh the buck that he, he's referencing that the one i said oh if we had a decoy dude i think he would have come in you watched his entire attitude change from walking away stopping and looking at us like hey what's that we grunt again you know after he starts to walk again stops and look and he snort wheezes and you just saw that buck just neck swollen up you know squares up big and i was like oh yeah like he's coming to check it out but they're smart, man. He literally circled, got downwind. And if it's one of those things where we already had a decoy, there's no, I mean, he might've still circled, but he's got something to look at there. And it's not so like, Hey, what's calling to me? It's like, Oh, I see it. And if he's in the right mood, you know, it could have been a game changer, but that's our big thing is they were so responsive to calls that were like, we need something for them to come into. And I think next year is going to be, I'm excited to try it out at least. I think it's going to be a game changer for us. Yeah. So what gives you the confidence in taking that? I, I know you say you don't prefer it. And I don't think any bow hunter does that quartering two shot. Mm-hmm. What what gives you the confidence to do that? Is it the broadhead you're shooting, the arrow setup, poundage bow? What is it? For me, because I mean, we're a little different on our setups, but for me, not getting into the whole fixed blade versus expandable yeah. debate, because uh, <laughs> I think there are positive and negatives to both. I think there are moments when you shoot a deer that that fixed, uh, that expandable is like, whew that saved me, man. Like that, that cutting diameter, like that's what did it and helped me have the blood trail, everything. Um, for me personally, I I asked you to fix blade and I really trust that, uh, cause I've blown through both shoulders on a deer, even broadside. Uh, the doe that I shot this year, I blew through her shoulder and then came out just behind her armpit on the other side. Um, so I just know that, I mean, whether it's a buck, whether it's a doe, I've blown through shoulders multiple times. Um, now once you get past say that 30 yards, um, I really don't even like doing that. I prefer a 20 and in for it, but out past 30, I'm not trying that. I, I, to me, I, I don't want to risk it. I've seen too many, you know, other people have this experience where 
you hit the shoulder and you just don't get in enough. Um, but 30 and in, I've, I've had plenty of penetration that I, I trust my setup to do that. Not saying that that's something I go looking to do, but in certain situations, if I, if I feel confident enough that I can ethically take that animal, then uh, I feel like I can let off between the poundage and the speed I have on my both kinetic energy and then the fixed blade as well. So walk me through the, uh, the recovery of your buck. I mean, you guys can see anyone that's listening can see it in y'all's YouTube videos, but it was, it was a pretty crazy recovery. And when I saw you guys posted on Instagram of you holding, I was like, I immediately was like, is that the deer he shot like a month ago? I was like, what, what is going on here? Yeah. It wasn't the prettiest looking deer. That's for sure. Um, no. <laughs> and it's not the greatest story. I mean, it is crazy and it's, it's kind of how it goes. But, uh, um, I went in late season in Kansas in December and I went by myself and I went to a general, like within the area where I'd shot the buck, but not the same exact spot. I actually went to the spot we had intended to go the day I had shot that deer. Uh, we just didn't make it there because of, you know, the, the doe we saw and what all you know transpired after that. And I went in and the goal was late season bedding at that point. Um, because a lot of deer are looking for food when it's super cold. And I feel like a lot of them are around where they bed. And we actually, when we originally were looking for that deer, went into a bedding area and we'd probably, we jumped probably the biggest buck we'd seen in Kansas. Um, I mean, it was one of those that you just stop and you look at each other like, dude, what just happened? Like he was better than any deer we've seen in Kansas. Yeah. Like why couldn't he have walked by? Um, and we jumped in bedded with a doe. And so late season, that was my goal is let's, I'm going to get in as tight to this bedding area as I can. Um, and I went in on a pinch point where I knew that unless they just go right across the field, they're going to walk by me at 15 yards. And so I went in kind of blind though. I had no tree picked out, got in there, found a tree. And then I kind of hesitated and was like, I only walk back out here about 20 more yards and look and make sure and decided that was the tree. Uh, within t five, 10 minutes of being set up, I had three does come in, shot her uh, one, and she went over 40 yards, fell over. And I was just like, finally, I tagged something in Kansas. After seeing who knows how many deer, I was starting to question like, is it meant to be, am I going to do this or not? Um, and then I had a good buck chase. I didn't really get this on film, but I had two does come in mid-morning and a good buck chased them out in the field. And another buck came and ended up having three bucks chase these does around this field behind me. And 10 minutes later, and it's, it's kind of ironic, Trey and I were just talking about like, man, these deer are responsive to calls. And I was like, dude, I've, that bleak can, I've never really used a ton. But when I, even when I do, it hasn't worked. Like it's just something that hasn't worked for me. And something told me, I don't know, try it. I dug that out of my backpack. I bleeded three times. I literally leaned down to put that thing in my bag, look up, and this smaller eight point just comes running in. And I was like, okay, that worked. And I'm looking at him, and I look up, and uh, coming down the trail, uh, I, I just see this, I just see horns glowing in the sun. You know that one you went with the sun's right, and I call please something, just walk right there. I had that moment, and I was like, okay, here we go. Um, and he came in, and I kind of screwed myself. When I said I walked out to that trail to decide what tree earlier that morning, he ended up getting right to that spot and stopped. And he stood there for what I thought was like 10, ended up being almost 15 minutes. And he just was looking because he caught my ground scent, knew something was up. And I ended up getting it on camera. I didn't think so because I was doing that whole film and a random blade of grass, you know, you were talking about earlier forever. I was like, well, screw the camera. It ain't going to work. And I ended up barely getting him in, on frame, but. After that long, he just turned to leave, and I drew back and stopped him. And I thought, he's at 25 yards, so I ranged it earlier. And it turns out he was at 30, so not a huge difference. But when I would shot, 
it looked like I had potentially gone low, but I was like, Hey, I think I could have drilled him. And he was quartering away. And I was like, that just depends. I don't know. And when we, I just backed out, got the dough, backed out and came back with my brother and we found blood. And it, it was kind of one of those where there weren't really a whole lot of bubbles in it. We tracked it to where I'd last seen the deer go and found a bed and we were finding blood, but it just wasn't the blood. I was like, Oh yeah, this deer's done. And so at that point that we found the bed, not a lot of blood in it and started looking nothing started grid searching, nothing. And that's when my brother was like, dude, I'm not trying to get your hopes up, but there are horns sticking up out of this Creek. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yes. So we run over there and we get to, to him. My brother's like, dude, I'm sorry, but this buck is nasty. And we get there and I'm like, oh yeah, that's not my deer. And I look at him and in my head, I'm already like, but wait. And my brother goes, is that the deer you shot earlier in the year? And I don't say anything at this point. I'm just like, I don't know, man. I mean, it looks like him, but I don't want to say anything. We cross the creek and go back around and ends up, he's in the creek. We'd walked 50 yards by him, but the creek kind of dropped where he was at. And we were checking the creek. We didn't just walk the edge of it. We were kind of serpentining, checking the creek, going back to the trail. And I guess we just skipped over where he was and the dog just didn't pick up any of the, the scent or the blood to where he had gone. Cause I'm, the dog had walked right by him as well. Um, and there so, just wasn't any blood. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too, is when he turned a wheel and I shot him, he dropped that shoulder. And so it was plugged in high. So I think he just plugged that up and wasn't really any blood. He didn't get on scent and we missed him. And so we kind of like, dude, what just happened? I call and tell Trey and I said, all right, we've got to go and we've got to look for this other deer. Like I know some people have been like, dude, that's a stud. I shot that stud. We're out. Um, but the right thing to do in my mind was you got to go look for the other deer. And that was the deer I wanted to recover because not only am I going to get a good deer, but I'm also going to get a lot of meat because those deer up there are giant body wise. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, let's go look for that one. I want to find that one. If we can get a carcass tag or something on this, cool. If not, then it wasn't meant to be. And we grid searched for hours. The issue in there too is where we were, there's like a system of creek that it's just like some of them are 15 yards wide. And then some, like there's three or four creeks that just go all through there. So we're crossing creeks, we're looking, and we grid searched for hours. The issue was the public ran out where this buck had gone. And in Kansas, you have the right to go onto private property if you're tracking a deer, but you have to have seen the deer go onto that property, or you have to be following blood. And we did, we had neither. And we'd actually tried to call the landowner for the you know first deer that I'd shot because that deer went onto the same property that ended up coming back to public, turns out. Um, and he didn't call back. We couldn't get a hold of him. The game warden said he didn't know him and couldn't get a hold of him. But the game warden in this situation, dude, I've already been looking for hours. I can't find him. What do I do if I can't find this buck? And he told me, he said, well, you killed the other one. Maybe it was meant to be. He said, my opinion, I'd say if you can't find him, cut your losses and take that one. I was like, well, I'm not done. I got a couple more hours of what I'm wanting to do, you know, to try to find this deer. Um, but he told me, he said, yeah, you can take that one. You just have to use your tag. So we looked for a few more hours after speaking to the game warden and then I mean, I'm hours away, and so it was like, dude, let's just, I guess, cut our losses, go home. And I mean, it's exciting to have that closure on that first buck, and it's unfortunate for the other one. And I mean, I've been blessed that I'd say, other than those two, uh, which one of them I ended up recovering, but other than those two, I'd say 95 of the deer that I've shot in my life, I've watched fall. Like, I've just been blessed with that. Um, but this was a humbling year. I felt like I practiced plenty, but it's one of those that, man, I don't care how much you shoot, just keep practicing you got to put in as much reps as possible. And so it kind of just said, Hey man, you've been like, you've been, you know, had a good run, but this year just kind of unlucky for you, but gotta be practicing. you be ready for next year. So 
Crazy hunt, though. I mean, I I I couldn't have guessed it. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, that's that's just a that's just a wild story. I mean, and so many things can happen when when you're shooting a wild animal, like we talked about with a freaking sharp stick, like. And you can't practice for it. Like you can practice no. the reps, but there's nothing compared to the adrenaline that's going through you when a like having to calm yourself. And then that deer, like I've watched deer at 15 yards, and they are so quick. They're unbelievable animals, and so quick on how much they can drop and move. And it, I mean, and I've seen even in some of your videos I've seen where you've done the putting the spot where you were aiming where the arrow hit and watching those deer drop, and it's crazy. Um, so yeah. you, you just can't quite prepare for all of that. You can do your best on what you can do on your own on a target that doesn't move. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, anything can happen and that's bow hunting. Yep. What, what's tough to quantify though, too, is the resilience of a deer. Like, Oh man. I mean, the, the buck I shot in public this year, I hit him in the liver. I mean, he gets up, runs off and I, I mean, these deer are just like, I, I shoot him through the lungs again and he gets up and runs another 50 yards and he tries to get up again. And I'm like, dude, this deer has been shot three different times and he's trying to get up and run again. I'm like, no deer has like the will to live like a whitetail deer. And I've talked to people that have done the big game, super slam, the 29 North American mm -hmm. big game animals. And I'm like, which, which animal is like the hardest to kill? You know, like which one has the most resilience? So like, Oh, no doubt. The, a whitetail, a whitetail mm -hmm. does like no other animal. We've shot antelope. You shoot them. They run five yards and like, ah, I'm hurt. And they lay down and you're like, what i mean i can shoot a deer with a rifle and watch him run a mile exactly it's and crazy one thing that's crazy too is it just it's so situational too because like a few years ago uh, i was actually hunting with connor's brother and he shot a doe on some public and smoked her like i i would have bet you a hundred bucks that she was laying within a hundred yards and we ended up waiting because we just weren't sure but he said it looked like a little bit back and so we waited what like four hours and you drove all the way from from broken arrow down to us and we actually found her bedded and she was looking at us and so we actually got close enough for him to shoot her again and um he smoked her she died within seconds after that but his first shot was what Textbook. four inches behind the shoulder and straight through broadside how she was alive that much we have no idea and then like this year if you watch uh he, sh he shoots a doe on some public and he straight up liver shot her and she died within what 45 minutes you say 30 45 30 minutes because we knew as soon as he shot we were like oh dang it man like it was back and she literally ran 40 yards and then walked away we watched her walk and he was trying like heck to get another shot pulled off there was just too much too much early season there's just too much you know and she went over there and we never really heard her go away. And we sat there for what, 20 minutes. Then all of a sudden you, we just heard a bunch of crashing and she was done. We got down and was like, dude, we're not going to sit there and listen to that. Like, let's go over there and see if we can, uh, you know, expire. Her. And I expect her to still be alive. After we walked years. over there and she's toast. And I'm like, what? Like, so it's so situational, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy, man. Some of them, it's just like, they got a will to live, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've watched, <laughs> I've watched dudes shoot some through the guts on video, and they're like, smoked them, and they run twenty yards and fall over, and I'm like, okay, I call BS. I've never seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've smoked them in double lunged and watch them run off like out of sight, and I'm like, there's, I, I don't understand. Like, and in the video, the, that deer I shot in public this year, they're like, everyone's like, oh no, that deer's dead, and I'm like, no, you don't understand, dude. It, they're never dead until I'm holding those horns. Never. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
Well, that and like, and it's just one of those things too. Like you hit the right artery, you never know what can happen. Like, and that's, what's frustrating with mine. Like the buck that I'd shot and I eventually recovered, if he hadn't wheeled and I think I hit where I did, I would have double lunged him. Ended up being a single, but when he wheels, it goes to a double. And then with the uh, buck that I shot and hit low, I'm like two to three inches low of what actually, you know, mattered. But then you'll watch, I mean, you could go back and you'll watch guys accidentally shoot deer in the hip and they'll hit the femoral artery and that deer will literally go 20 yards and just be toast. I have no idea. So, what Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're back. We're good. <laughs> but I mean, it's just one of those things, man, like they're tough and, Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you might make a shot and you're like, dude, I don't know how, but this is what happened. Yeah. That's the humbling part of it, man. It's a, you know, the woods are not the easiest place. They don't show mercy. Yeah. They sure don't. So Trey, one of the, one of the probably top five coolest hunting videos I've watched is your public buck that you shot in Oklahoma. I didn't even know it was you guys. It like popped up on my feed. I clicked on it. I think it was a year ago and I was like, gosh, this is an awesome hunt. And then I was like, I know who that is. I, I don't know yeah. these guys. Can you, can you walk us through that hunt? I mean, the viewers yeah. can watch the full hunt on YouTube, but it's, it's a really cool hunt. So and a cool buck. Yeah. Um, so that was actually a buck that we had on camera the year prior. Um, and he was a really solid 10 point the year before, probably one forties and, uh, at a different spot too. It wasn't where you, oh yeah, like half a mile away. And so, you know, move on to 2020. Um, we, uh, didn't have a single picture of that deer. Um, we had some really nice deer on, you know, camera, but, uh, so our, our main goal, you know, around here is just to get away from everybody, get off a bluff, get, you know, walk a long ways. It, it pays off, you know? Um, but that morning I actually got up and happened to run into my uncle in town and it was raining and we just kind of sat there and goofed and talked. And I, I looked out the window and I, the sky was getting blue and I was like, well, I better start moseying that way. Cause the rain was supposed to move out at like seven. So I got there and we were actually going to hunt together. And, um, well, the wind ended up being wrong for where we were going to go. So he was just like, man, I don't know. I'm a, he's like, let's just, he's like, just go wherever, you know, that way, you know, we're not hurting each other or anything like that. And I was like, well, I found some sign right down here early in the year. It's just, it's not far off the road since it's already getting light. I'm just going to walk right down there. Really didn't have high hopes, man. But I mean, there was some good sign there, you know, in mid October. Um, so I went down there. I didn't get in a tree till like seven forty. I just kind of, you know, still hunted my way down there and crawled in that tree. And, uh, it was just kind of misting, kind of foggy a little bit. And about the time that died off, um, I looked over like literally 200 yards and I just saw a back, like a dark back moving through some like tall yellow grass and um, kind of going up the hill away from me. Well, when he picked his head up, I was just like, oh gosh, even at like 200 yards, I was just like, holy crap. And uh, he actually angled and started coming my way. And then I was just like losing it. I was like, oh, geez. And uh, he he actually was coming up. And then when he got to about, I don't know, 60, 80 yards, he turned like he was going to come down and come into this uh, this briar cedar thicket that was beside me. So I thought he's going to make it easy, 20 yards. Well, if you watch the video, there's a part where he kind of stops. It's actually the first shot where I miss him. And he starts, he turns like he's going to go uphill. And I, I straight panicked. And I was like, no, he's not going to walk away and leave, you know, and he's at 40 yards and I'm already on my release and everything. And dumbly, I just left it on rolled on to 20. And I was like, I'll just, you know, high long top of his back, you know, and 
it did not work out. I shot right underneath him and literally my whole world just sank. I was like, Oh my gosh. And he run like 10 yards and, and just stopped. And his head was behind a big tree. So like, I mean, I don't know if he could see me or not, but I couldn't see his face. And I will say, if you don't take an arrow out of your quiver and stick it in your bag, like you're hurting yourself because it's the only reason I killed that deer. I mean, Connor hunts with his quiver on. I don't like to, um, if I'm in a tree anyway, you know, so that I, I legit just grabbed that other arrow and stuck it on. And about the time I was pulling back, he had turned to walk back on the same dang trail pretty much. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I had already rolled it to 40. I had already ranged it. I knew, you know, and then I smoked him and uh, unlucky. He was just a little bit out of frame, but I didn't really give a rip, you know? Um, and I, I knew that it looked like a good shot. I was like mid body right behind the shoulder. It looked great. Um, but I didn't get a pass through at this time. I was shooting a big mechanical, um, so I gave it like an hour and got down and I actually about 10 yards from where I shot him, there was a rock there and there was like a big pile of dark blood and it had a bunch of like stomach matter in it. And I was like, Oh, come on. And so I just got back in the tree, called my uncle. I called Connor and my wife and we, you know, I just kind of all decided we'll just wait, give him time. Connor was going to come after church and drive down. And uh, so we all got there and went down there and, I was stressing this whole time, man. And we get down there, we go, what, 10 yards from the spot on the rock? And it is just like a red carpet. Like, I mean, for as far as you can see, there's just blood. And I, like, immediately right then was just, like, felt so much better. And he went, what, 300 yards maybe, 250 yards? He ran a lot of ways. the resilience because you hit both lungs, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Both lungs. And this deer goes 300 yards and piles up. I mean – uh, easy enough to follow the trail, but like, I was like, how, how do you go he that far on a double? Immediately. Like he was so stiff. Like he had just ran down there and died, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a crazy hunt. I, I honestly can't say that it was anything special that I'd done. I was just right place, right time. Cause I would, that's not even where I was originally, originally planning on hunting. It just God given, I guess, you know? I, I will give you credit though, because I mean, like we've said, like that's one of those places where like they may be on this ridge one day and they may not come down that ridge again for two weeks. Like they're hard to pattern. Um, but I mean, it was in season scouting where you'd come up a different way when we go off all these different bluffs. You'd come up one a different way and found all that sign. It was like, man, maybe I'll just hunt by that. So that's kind of, I will give you the credit on if you hadn't done that, hadn't found that, you probably wouldn't have hunted it. Like, you no, definitely. Yeah, because honestly, it was being lazy that made me find it. Because there's one spot we go, it's a long ways in there, man. And you walk probably, gosh, you know, half close to a half a mile. And then you got to drop off a giant bluff. And then we walk another few hundred yards to where we go. And I had just thought, well, I'm going to stay below the bluff. And I'm going to go and try to get below the truck and see if there's an easier way to pop up. And then it'll just be right below the truck. It'll be more up, but be right there. And that was the worst decision of my life. It was so thick, so nasty. Couldn't find a place up the bluff. And I finally was just like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to billy goat this dang bluff. And I crawled my way up. It got up there. And I actually just sit down on a rock because I was so exhausted and carrying all my crap and stuff. And when I got up, I pulled up Onyx. And I was like, man, I'm only 250 yards from the truck right here. And that thicket was right there beside me. And I walked maybe 20 yards and there was a killer trail coming out of that thicket. And man, there was like four blown out scrapes right there. 
and a couple of rubs. And I was like, dang, this is right here below the truck. I was like, we've been walking right past this. Like I need to, uh, I thought maybe just for like a quick evening hunt, just walk down there, you know? And uh, like I said, so I didn't even go back until that day, but I mean, it, it paid off. I actually went back. Well, we went back two weeks later and I yeah. shot a doe there. So, I mean, it's, it's one of our spots we definitely go back to now. It's, especially if you're just looking to walk a couple hundred yards. And funny enough, Oklahoma and Kansas, we've come to realize like you don't always have to go to the back of the property or you don't always have to try to get as far away. Like there's stuff that people like just miss. Like one of our, one of my favorite spots that we ended up hunting a few times in Kansas that we kind of just did hadn't gone to small, small piece. And you could tell it had hunting pressure on it and we walked very far at all. And there here. And I was like, man, maybe we're just working too hard. Like sometimes it's just the easy, maybe the easy option that you doubt, like try it. You never know. And well, I mean, we've been doing that and we've had some luck doing that as well. Where we actually camped are a couple of times we were up there where Connor actually shot his deer. Um, we're, we're staying at a completely different part of this place. Cause we have to boat into that specific area. But every time we would get there, like meet up in the evenings and stuff, there's some ag fields right there where we're staying. And there's public right there and there were deer everywhere. Every evening we would get there and that one evening and there's like, I just went down there and I was like, get in. And he was like, what? And I was like, get in. And we rushed back up there. Cause when I pulled in down to go down that little road, there was a solid buck just chasing those right there in the edge of that bean field. Well, it took us, I think it was the second trip down there. I was like, bro, we got to scout this right here. Just at least go look, they're coming from somewhere. And there was a lot of deer sign right there. I mean, a bunch of big buck sign. We actually never even hunted it, but we kept it, you know, as a backup option for right there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a guy could easily have killed a deer within 200 yards of your truck right there, you know. So, yeah, you don't always have to work hard, but it, it, it can definitely pay to get away from people for sure. Yeah, I agree with that because I've killed both my bucks on public out of the same tree and 300 yards off the road. Mm-hmm. And I've got, and it works both ways. My buddy Jake shot 162 inch buck a mile back in there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. good for you. Like, yeah. but, but we drug this one 300 yards, you know, like it's a, yeah. so you don't like we, I've learned that so much this summer, the work smarter, not harder sort of thing. And, you know, it feels good to go out there and work hard though, but Mm-hmm. what's uh what's next for you guys this next year i mean obviously you produced a ton of whitetail content this year what are you what are you guys going to do next year new states or what's the plans i can tell you this april we will be in kansas going after some turkeys yeah my, dude they were everywhere now sometimes they're in a different spot in the fall and the spring but that's one thing we're like well we will be back for this and it's always what i love about turkey hunting is it's always a good time to go scout for deer hunting and look for sheds yeah. from that year and so we're, first we're going to do that but uh Man, we've, we've been talking about that lately. The thing about Kansas is we want to go back to there, obviously. After this year, we're like, yeah, we got to go back. And I'd like to eventually start just trying different parts of that state because there's so much you can look at. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at places that we're not even going, not even units we're in, just for fun. Um, but lately, what we've been reading is used to, like for archery, Kansas was almost like a 99.9% you're in. Like if you put in, you're, you're in. But this year, we've read that they had the highest number of applicants and i think it ended up getting a few percent of people aren't aren't actually getting drawn and so and we've looked at posts from guys that are like dude i've drawn in every year for 20 years but i I haven't drawn twice in the past four and so it's becoming a little more competitive so we've said we'd like to go back to kansas but we're also talking backup plans of 
if we don't get drawn, are we staying in Oklahoma? Or are we going to Missouri again? Yeah. What do we want to try? Yeah. Um, on the list, we do have – we'd like to go out west and try to get on some mule deer in the panhandle on some of our walk-in land. Or you know, There's some WMAs out there. Just see what it looks like out there and try something new because that's been the biggest thing is Missouri and Kansas. I felt like I've learned so much just by trying something new and making myself have to break down places and not go into the same old spots. And so that's really my goal is just to don't be afraid to try new and see what you can learn. We're definitely going to put in for Kansas for sure. Right, that, yeah. that's, that's yeah. And, but I mean, if, if we, for some reason don't draw, I mean, I would, I would like to push up to Nebraska or maybe just go back to Missouri. I actually was hoping that I told him if we both tagged out last year uh, in Kansas early, um, I was just going to bounce over to Missouri because I had taken like three weeks off in November. So, I mean, I could have come back to Oklahoma and hunted, but something about the out-of-state stuff just really, you know, I like it. It's fun, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and Missouri's over the counter. Yeah. It's, it's two bucks and a, a, tur- a turkey tag, right? Two, two turkey tags, something like that. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty sweet deal. Um, we were pretty, like, excited for that part of it. I mean, it's cheaper than Kansas, but uh, it's just one of those things, like, where we were in Missouri is more of, like, you got a plan, you got to go, you've got to have a set vacation. Whereas Kansas, even though it's a few hours north, depending where we went, I mean, it could be just as long as Missouri in some spots. But where we went, it was like, hey, it might be a few hours, but we could go for a whole weekend compared to driving. What was it, six and a half to Missouri? Yeah. Well, the thing the thing about Missouri, too, is like I live far enough in northeast Oklahoma. Like I can legit be to Missouri in an hour. But southern Missouri – I mean, I haven't hunted it, but everyone I've talked to, every forum I've read says it's literally just like northern Arkansas and northeast Oklahoma, just ridgy, mountainous, big timber deer, you know. Um, So we wanted to get more in the ag, you know, so that's why we went farther up north. But you can get that by just driving a couple hours to Kansas. Like it's southern Kansas and southern Missouri is a totally different ball game. Like, I mean, Kansas is a different ball game from Missouri anyway, but you know, if you're if you want to find a lot of that ag in Missouri, you're going to have to drive, you know, and you don't in Kansas. You can I mean, even some of northern Oklahoma has quite a bit of ag, you know. So that's that's one thing I liked about Kansas was just I could get in that whole different environment a lot quicker, you know. And there's yeah. just it's still different depending where you go. Like I know you just had a podcast with the element, which was pretty sweet. I listened to that. That was awesome. Um, and I know they do a lot of stuff. It looks like in Western Kansas where right. they'll literally be like filming and it's like, well, there's one tree half a mile that way. And that is it for as far as you can see. And I wouldn't mind trying some of that stuff. We weren't that kind of Kansas. We we're more like, you know, were more the central Eastern side. And so we didn't, we didn't hit the Western, like there ain't trees, just deer. Um, but that's something too, that I wouldn't mind trying to go over and do. And I've talked to a few guys that have done it personally and they're like oh yeah you got to try like western kansas if you like kansas just try western and so I'm, I'm kind of excited to potentially put that on the list what we know depending if that's next year or you know a few years depending what units we decide so i'm pretty excited for the possibilities as, as far as outside of whitetail i would really like to kill a mule deer mm-hmm. um, i'd like to go somewhere and do that soon i mean elk is definitely on the list i want to go backpack for elk i know connor does too um it's just you know Right now, I have a one-year-old, so you know, try to give that a few years, you know, before I go try to tackle something like that. But right now, I'm in just I'm just enjoying the whole out-of-state thing for whitetails, you know. Like I said, we just started that, you know, just the last couple of years. So, you know, just keep moving as we go, I guess, you know. 
And Chris, yeah. I know you just went out of state. Was it Nebraska? Or Oh, yeah. I wouldn't really call that hunting. That was just a beating for about six days. <laughs> uh, took 300 bucks and sent me on my way. Was yeah, it, it was for Muley, though. Is it, as I thought, it was for, for Muley. I thought thought that's what you were going for. So um, that's pretty sweet. I, I know you, and you talked about it being tough. And that's just one of those things, man. Going somewhere new could always be humbling. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, one, it's still fun because it's just like, that was the cool thing about bouncing around to different pieces of public in Kansas and not having trail cameras. Um, since we didn't go that route, it was like, we'd pull up to, I mean, it's kind of the positive and negative. You just don't know. Like we just, is this a prize of like, dude, who knows what could happen here? The possibilities, yeah. man. And so that's just something that always like when the hunt's getting slow or whatever, like if you got a camera, sometimes we're like, well, we haven't had pictures past 10 o'clock. So I'm sure it's over. But when you're at a new spot, you're like, dude, anything could happen at any second. So, I mean, it's, that's the fun part of out of state and trying new stuff is there's a lot of surprises and keeps you locked in. Kansas too. I was telling Connor this guy, it made me feel like I, I knew what I was doing a little bit because here where I'm at can be it's so tough. You know, I mean, you might some of the spots we have here, you go in there and think, you know what you're doing and you may see 17 deer in one day and you may hunt it the next four times and I see crap. And mm-hmm. I mean, like this year, I went, what, I told you four or five trips in December. I didn't see a single deer. I mean, it just, it's tough. And when you can go to a place like Kansas, which like we were talking about earlier, it's easier to kind of map scout and stuff like that. You pick some stuff out, you go put boots on the ground and you find what you thought you were looking for. I was like, man, I knew I knew what I was talking about. Like, <laughs> made me feel good. Like, cause here it can be tough, you know? Yeah. So no, for sure. We got our fingers crossed this year. Um, one of my buddies has a, he, he knows his farmer, the family friends, and I guess, I guess it'd be East, East central Kansas. It'd be like on the Missouri line over there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's saying they have over a thousand acres of private Ooh. that we could possibly get. You know how that goes though. I, I know a guy he'll let us on for sure. Oh no, your kid hunts. Okay. never mind. <laughs> One of those sort of things. But, uh, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We're going to put in for Kansas regardless. Um, it might change what unit we go to if we don't get that piece of private, might try something different, but, yeah. Um, I'm excited about Kansas. I mean, but I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Where can people connect with Whitetail Mission on socials, on YouTube? I know you guys got a bunch of cool videos up now from this past season. Yeah. So if you go on, we got Facebook and you can just search Whitetail Mission. Um, and then we've got the, the W up, the M logo with our antlers. And then on Instagram, I'm pretty sure it's Whitetail underscore mission and then Whitetail Mission on YouTube. Um, and I think we might be the only Whitetail Mission on YouTube. If you search us, you should see our logo. And we've got a handful of videos up. Um, but, yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for having us on, dude. It was a blast. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah of course. Well, we'll do it again sometimes. And, uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. I'm sure we'll we'll jump on a podcast. There's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about while we'll be in the woods. Oh, yeah. yeah so, I got one more question before we hop off. Yeah. Are you going to the TAC? I am. Go? Yeah, I'll be there. Awesome. Uh, that's our plan, too. So we'll have to get together and uh, hang out a little bit. But yeah, we should of course. But Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I'll see you guys. See you guys later. Take it easy. Thanks for jumping on again. Hey guys, appreciate the listen to the Hunter's Advantage podcast. 